Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the host of Her Story Podcast, Ms. Janae Jamison. Thank you for joining me. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, making it today, um, this, this <laughs> glorious Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, let, let me let let's get let me get the fan stuff out the way. I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I don't listen to every podcast, but I listen to a lot of them only because I can't listen to all of them, but I listen to the ones you send me and I'm a big fan of your work. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I listen to your podcast as well. And I think that it's very important that uh, we support each other and push out both platforms. So what was the motivation for starting her podcast? Okay, well, her story podcast is really connected to closet fitness which is my online uh boutique and so the focus of closet fitness is closet fitness with a k i'm an aka um but i originated closet fitness to really motivate women to go to the gym um and highlight my own personal story and that story was my battle with anorexia throughout my adolescent years and really coming into my own and self-acceptance and loving the woman that I see in the reflection in the mirror. Um, and it's really just a, a short story of me over-exercising and under-eating and a teacher noticing the, a pattern of that behavior at school, bringing it to my mom and my parents' attention. And my mom kind of reversed everything and gave me words of affirmation and positivity and really taught me just how to love and accept myself. And so what I want to use as a tool to exercise because I was um, influenced by the images that were on TV and um, influenced by just the conversations of my peers and things of what's, what's uh, the societal norm of what beauty is and shape and image and all those things that I saw. I took it into something positive to really go to the gym to exercise, to work out and focus on the holistic approach of what it really meant to be healthy. And so it was simple things like bright um, colors or like new sneakers and things like that that really motivated me to go to the gym. And so that um, opened the door for me to launch Closet Fitness. And as I was really focused on fitness motivation, I wanted to even uh, open the capacity even more in terms of women empowerment and creating different stories that women can relate to. Because I know that everyone may not be able to relate to fitness, but uh, creating a, another pathway so we can really have real conversations on why it's important to share our stories and resources and make things relatable across the board with women, and specifically women of color, Black women. You know, in society, we are often taught to be strong, we are resilient, but we don't have those conversations or the backstory of how we got to where we are. And um, once that was formulated, I launched Her Story Podcast, which is an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient. And that's where we are. Wow, that's that's great. I I, I mean, you, you, you didn't, maybe you did put it on your page, maybe you didn't, but I, I had no idea about the um, anorexic um, situation. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes I highlighted within some of my episodes, just sharing the stories and the things that have led me here uh, within my journey. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely proud to say that 
what uh, once broke me down. It did not defy who I was as a woman. And I use that to share my story and to make sure that other women realize that it's okay sometimes to not always be okay. And that, you know, the strong, bold, confident woman that you see before you today actually has a backstory, a backstory and an image where she didn't necessarily accept or love herself, but it was God, it was my parents, it was positive influences that led me here. And it's definitely a lifestyle change that has led me here to be the woman that I am today. How old were you when you were when dealing with these issues? Oh, very, very young. As early as 11 years old. I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning, um, would work out uh, Denise Austin, Billy Blanks, you know, some fitness gurus out there. (laughs) Those names, you know, definitely would ring a bell to, you know, Billy Blanks with a tie bow. And, you know, I was really, I was doing my thing, but it was like at 11, I was really focused on like, oh my gosh, like I have to have a six pack. Like I, I have to, I have to, you know, concentrate on my legs or my thighs and things like that. And that's really young, you know, and um, it definitely was influenced, I think, by my school and by my peers. I went to a predominantly white school and, you know, what, uh, society's uh, image of beauty is, is is completely different to how black women are shaped. You know, even at a young age, I will say that I, you know, was very curvaceous or had my own shape even in middle school. And what my mom was just like, you know, you're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, what is wrong? You know, but in my eyes, I really did feel as though that I was too thick or that I was overweight, uh, overweight, or um, I even, you know, started developing earlier than others. And it was just um, a lot mentally that was uh, wearing on me where I just didn't accept myself and even my physical features. You know, I always had issues with my nose. I had acne. I had braces. Um, So all of these things really did kind of um, put a a negative uh, effect on my thinking and how I interacted with others. So again, it was my mother and her words of affirmation that I'm strong, that I'm intelligent, that I'm beautiful, that God makes no mistakes. And it really helped me shape and come into my own. What age would you say when you started to come into your own? Uh, Definitely, I think around like seventh and eighth grade. Seventh and eighth grade, I really began coming into my own. And then in ninth grade, I began dancing. And so using like, you know, again, just another tool just to express myself, another tool just to really get comfortable with who I was as a young woman. Okay. You you mentioned in your your previous statement that it was important that you highlight um, Black women. And that's something you've done an excellent job. But why is it so important to you to highlight Black women, the stories of Black women? Because I am a Black woman. You know, I can't speak for anyone but Black women and but myself. I think that it's very important that in this, um, in in today's age that we have people who may not necessarily look like us that take up space and try to speak up for us and try to even take our experiences and take up our space. And Black women are one of the most intelligent human beings on this planet. We are the most 
educated human beings on this planet and we are often undercounted and we are often not given the the same credit as our white counterparts as men and it's really important that we create these spaces where we're not undercounted where we are able to express freely who we are where we create different uh networks where we can share our experiences where we can share our resources we can help and build each other up as black women you the platform is mainly well your platform pretty much caters to women um but i'm i'm one of the people i feel like you can get um inspiration and motivation from anyone but do you have men offer feedback on your on your podcast Yes, men love her story. You you okay. love her story? <laughs> but they uh I really have had positive feedback and support from different men because it's really important for men to hear a female's perspective, right? And even when we talk about certain images, I mean, when we talk about certain uh topics such as image when I was having a conversation with a, a brother, maybe like a month ago, he was like, you know, I really didn't realize that the way that, you know, women sh shape a, a certain situation or how they feel about something was completely different than the way that men um, think about it. You know, he's like, you know, he's like, honestly, you know, men, you know, we're, we're simple creatures. Y'all are complex individuals. And this really has helped me in dealing with, um, you know, with my wife or in having relationships with my daughter. And what, um, what is the thought process around certain situations? And what is a woman's perspective? So I think it's, it's definitely important for us to listen to each other. You know, we can definitely learn from each other. Um, but you know, because I've also had so much positive feedback, I'm, I'm trying to create, you know, also like other channels to get different voices on board as well. So, you know, typically her story podcast is recorded. It's an audio recording that's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play and SoundCloud. But um, I'm really thinking about like kind of like just opening a door and maybe doing uh, wild card episodes quarterly, but doing that like maybe like on an Instagram live where it's not necessarily streamed from um, SoundCloud uh, and Google Play and Apple, but still creating a space for men. And again, uh, I want to focus on black and brown voices and um, seeing, you know, what we can talk about between men and women as well. Do you think, um, do you think you'll actually, even though, again, your platform is mainly catering towards women, but again, men do get something from it. Will you actually start implicating more marketing strategies to get more men to listen? Um, yeah, like I said, you know, one thing is, again, open up the door and open up the space for a man to have his opportunity to share whatever his story is or whatever topics that they may listen to. I think that uh, a collaborative effort will definitely be necessary because my um, focus is being able to put people on the platform to share their very own, own story. So I can't really speak from a male's perspective. I would definitely need that feedback and that collaborative effort in terms of helping and marketing and really just giving feedback, you know, like, what do you want to hear or what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I think that would be great. I, I, one of the, I've listened to, like, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts um, and I think you will be great at it. That's why I was wondering, like, have you ever thought about it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, women, black women, women empowerment, that's my niche. And um, I definitely want to stick 
with that focus but again like I think the Instagram live like creating a different uh different pathway to get different voices and feedback I'm definitely um not going to turn that down I'm definitely uh interested in you know trying new things and being innovative within the process okay on your podcast, you've made no secret that you're a proud HBCU graduate. So how has that shaped you in your career development, personal development, and everything else? I love the Southern University uh, in A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> so proud Southern night, proud Southern alumni. And attending HBCU definitely gave me my voice. Again, I went to a predominantly uh, white Catholic school from preschool through 12th grade, um, made lifelong friendships and relationships. You know, I've had good and bad experiences, but that's definitely my foundation. And I, I love who I am and what, what, um, where I came from and what has shaped me into a woman. But when I first got to Southern University, it was a culture shock for me. Not because I didn't know that I was Black. Of course, I'm Black. I have Black parents, Black family, Black culture embodied in being um, a Black child. But having and being, um, you know, one out of two or one out of four of the Black kids in a school for almost 15 years of your life, it was a culture shock to go to a school where almost every single person that you see is black and um but it made me really feel at home it made me feel at home not that I was portraying to be anyone else but it was just an amazing feeling to have someone that can relate to you can relate to your culture can relate to your family can relate to shared experiences you know something as simple as a, a hair tie and a bonnet you don't have to explain this is what you wear when you go to sleep at night you know <laughs> like simple things like that you know like red beans and rice fried chicken monday it, you know it was like it was a given you already knew it was coming you know your uh your, your fried fish uh plate on friday it was a given so it's like little small things like this just made you feel at home and, um, but in terms of like my career, going to an HBCU definitely gave me my voice. When I came to Southern University, I was Miss Freshman. I pledged, um, AKA, I was a, a 2009 fall initiate of the Beta Side chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, um, as well as in SGA, on the Senate, ran for Miss Southern, um, and, being involved in all these various organizations helped me to use my voice. It also opened up the door for me in terms of civic engagement and political advocacy. I was a political science major. And at that time, there was a lot of pullback from um, then governor Bobby Jindal, who I have no problem saying was probably one of, one of the worst governors in Louisiana history. <laughs> and he did a lot to try to discredit HBCUs and to for, uh, furlough a lot of uh, state employees and cut back on many resources to uh, state institutions. So it was during that time that we really began to galvanize and to mobilize and to organize and get students to protest on the uh, state, state, state capital steps. And so that's when I got like my first experience, like, oh, okay, like we can do the thing, you know, like if I talk to somebody and they talk to somebody and we get people together, we can rally and protest for uh, a specific event or we 
can create a certain agenda and we can stand for something. And, you know, that's when it really connected the dots for me. And I will say that even after graduation at Southern University, uh, I still was in Baton Rouge for a while. And I did a lot of work in North Baton Rouge, which Baton Rouge is, um, I will say, it's pretty segregated. You know, there's North Baton Rouge and South Baton Rouge. North Baton Rouge is where you will see uh, predominantly Black residents, and it's around Southern University. And uh, typically, you know, the city does not give the same fair share of resources to North Baton Rouge as they do in South Baton Rouge. And even in terms of political representation, it's really hard for those who are fighting for the morals and the values of those in North Baton Rouge for them to get things to actually pass for our Black people. But um, it's definitely some great leaders out there. And it wasn't until I was able to work with many people around Southern University and seeing people that look like me, that look like my mom and my dad, my aunts and uncles, and really seeing that there are certain issues that have plagued these communities for years and that people were giving them a roundabout uh, answer. And it was then that I really used the position that I was in to really advocate for change. And so just all of those experiences, Southern University, being in North Baton Rouge, being able to work with people that look like me, really shaped me in helping me to use my voice and to stand for something much greater and bigger than myself. Because you went to a predominantly white school, did it increase your desire to go to an HBCU? Um, I always wanted to go to Southern University. I will tell you that because um, my parents, you know, my mom graduated from Southern University. My dad went to a PWI, but his family was uh, a Grambling, whatever that is, um, Grambling University, you know, um, them, those folks, his uh, side of the family were... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grambling alumni, so, you know, it's a traditional rival, you know, Southern University and Grambling State, and um, so it always was, you know, I'm going to go to an HBCU, had the opportunity to go anywhere, graduated in the top 10 in my class, number 7, 3.7 GPA, scored high on my ACT scores, but it always was within me to go to Southern University because, I mean, as a young woman, I wanted to imitate everything about my mother, you know, and so my mother always talked about her glory days at Southern and being on the yard and participating in doing this and going to Bayou Classic as early as the age of three years old and really witnessing the best band in the land and, you know, and the football team and the swag. It was just, I had, I, I couldn't imagine going anywhere else and it really was the absolute best four years of my life and I would not have chosen to go to any other institution than Southern University. <laughs> How'd your dad take the news? <laughs> he took it well after he saw that Janae was doing the damn thing on campus. You know, he couldn't be quiet after that. Like I said, my freshman year, I was Miss Freshman and that's really, you know, the first time that I really do think that the school had uh, a Miss Freshman from Napoleonville. Everybody's like, Napoleonville, where is that? What is that town, you know? Um, so, yeah, he was proud of his baby. Uh, my daddy was, from that point on, southern down from head to toe, okay? The hat, the shirt, the shoes, everything. <laughs> um, but I'm sure he was proud because I think I, I, I could speak as a father. You you want your, especially when your mom is successful and she's, you know, she's doing well, you want your daughter to pattern after her mom. Just like if, in the reverse, if, if it's a son, you would want your son to pattern after his father. So I, I definitely understand that. 
Right. Yeah. My parents, um, uh, both of them have always been supportive all throughout my life. Like I said, I would not have been able to come out of uh, many situations in life if it wasn't for them and their encouragement. And my father has always been supportive since a little girl. A lot of times he was the only man in the room when it came to dance recitals and different events. It was my dad there. And even to this day, when there's still some events like, um, you know, I definitely center myself and grounded in my faith and my community and my church. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll do like different events at the church and it may be like, you know, um, a, a, a women's event, you know, like empowering women in the church. And it's like, my daddy, he's still there, you know, <laughs> right That's there great. in the building to support his baby girl. Yeah, your, your dad sounds like a great man. He is. That's a blessing. That's truly a blessing to have to have both support and, you know, to have two parents supporting you, but especially a father when there's situations like that, because, it, you know, just to have his leadership and guidance behind you and, you know, your mom too, but, you know, I'm just speaking as a father and, and I know how that father daughter dynamic goes. So just to have him in your corner like that, that's truly a blessing. Yeah, definitely. I will say, you know, a, a daughter's, um, a little girl's first love is always going to be her dad. Definitely. How you've you've had some great guests on your show. Um, you've you've produced some great content, some excellent interviews. How do you actually find your guests? Uh, they come to me. They really do come to me, and I'm very very grateful for that. Very grateful for that. Um, when I the first few months of her story, it was I was very intentional in choosing my guests. Um, there were people that I either had seen on Instagram or social media who would give like little tidbits of their story. And so uh, the first, maybe like the first six months or maybe the first, yeah, maybe about the first six months of her story, it was people that I had close relationships with where, you know, we may be in casual conversation and may have mentioned something and it really um, made me want to dig deeper around their experiences, right? Like the first episode was focused on my old college roommate who had ovarian cancer at, at the age of only 26 years old. And I saw her share a little of her story on social media and just the process. And, but at the end of that, she was able to conceive a beautiful baby girl. And so that was my first episode because I know that some of my close friends have fertility issues or ovarian cancer and things of that nature and were didn't know how to really feel about that but there was glory at the end of Alicia's story because although she had infertility issues although she had had ovarian cancer she still was able to conceive and um even one um young lady ty that was my my second episode we are friends now but we initially were not friends we we're just followers on instagram and i saw her share a little bit about her battle with depression and so we dove deeper in that episode and touched many different topics and so that's really how i did it the first few months i knew of people um different domestic violence survivors those who battled um were survivors in like uh sexual assault situations but many of these women still were business owners so that's always my focus right we're going to focus on some difficult situation or maybe a hurdle everyone has a story but there's glory at the end of your story and you are, you know, um, often the the folks that 
or changing the game in whatever field they choose. So, um, and after that, once her story created its own buzz, it was people and still are people from throughout the the country who reach out, who either DM or they email. And then um, a lot of times, you know, just building out your network, you know, someone who knows someone and even uh, past guests refer certain people. Yeah, you, you do. You have some great guests. Um, actually interviewed one of your guests, um, <laughs> just Jules. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. her. Love yeah, her. I actually, I, I heard her podcast and I was like, you know what? I, I want to talk to her and she was gracious enough to do it. So we've, we've actually continued to network and talk. So Thank you for that connect. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And you know, and that's really what it's all about. Like, I, I think that's really important that we as as Black people, important that, you know, we share each other's networks and we build. That's really how you build power. And that's how you, you change the, the, the power dynamics when we're focusing on certain platforms and trying to leverage our work. Definitely. You've done all these great interviews. You've got to inter- interact with so many great people. What's been the most rewarding thing about your platform? Um, touching people and changing someone's life. I have always asked for God to use me, take who I am, who I want to be, and use me for a purpose much uh, bigger than myself. And that is really my um, mantra. I say it every single day. It's a background on my uh, phone. It's a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King. And when someone reaches out to me and says that they they were either empowered or they received this message or they were going through a very same situation and it feels so good to know they're not in it alone, that is the most rewarding feeling. That's the most rewarding feeling in anything that I do. I always seek to be a, a change agent and to really help others and to motivate others. So it's never about me. Um, it's always about those who are impacted. Are you actually looking to expand the brand? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I really want to, I need to figure out how I want to expand, like, the network of women. There are so many women who have been on here, so many different businesses. So I'm really, I really want to focus on maybe capitalizing that in terms of all of these women who have all these dope brands and businesses really creating some type of shared network where we can actually share our resources and build and grow from each other. Yeah, you've done an excellent job. I, I truly commend the work you're doing. Um, even as, a, you know, like you said, it's just important to hear these stories in general, man, women, whatever. Um, just the fact that it's coming, you know, this is our story. This is the story of, you know, us black, you know, black Americans doing great things and just accomplishing, accomplishing things. So I just want to thank you for using your, using your gifts and your talents to do that, to highlight others. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, and uh, again, you know, what you're doing is a great thing as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. I want you to tell the people how they can follow you because you're definitely worth the following. Awesome. So again, I appreciate this conversation tonight. Um, you all can follow me on Instagram at her story underscore podcast. I'm also on Facebook her story podcast and her story podcast with Jay Jameson is available on Apple podcasts, Google play and SoundCloud. Thank you. Um, 
again, congratulations for all you're doing. And I wish you all the best with what you're doing now and the future projects that you're working on. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed this. Definitely. I want to thank everyone for the support and taking the time to listen to the podcast. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.